Welcome to the Women of the West podcast, exploring trials and bliss of women blazing trails for themselves through the Western way of life. Put it simply, Dee Miller is the kind of woman that I aspire to be like when I grow up. While I had the privilege of interviewing her, Dee has made a direct impact on my life as a close friend and confidant. I've never met a woman who can as gracefully doctor calves at 10 and have a full course of lunch prepared by noon. The first time I met her, she was at a roping where she cracked a beer by 9 for good luck, and I knew I was going to like her. She has this magic about her, the kind that resides in wise women who can welcome others into her home and heart without a second thought, a true woman of the West. Thank you for doing this for me. I'm so excited to talk to you and share the magic of D with even more people. Well, thank you for the invite. I feel very honored. So you grew up in Jordan Valley, Oregon. I did. I grew up on the Idaho side of Jordan Valley, Oregon. Four miles out of Jordan Valley runs the Idaho-Oregon line, and our ranch was partially in Oregon, but mostly in Idaho. So western Idaho. As west as you can get. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, Or as east as you could get in Oregon. Absolutely. I grew up on a family ranch. Um, my dad and uncle started it in uh, the early 60s. They were uh, born and raised on Jackson Creek, which was about 30 miles from the ranch, went into a partnership. And that is where I was raised at. Um, wonderful life, all about cows and horses and putting up hay. We were ranchers. We didn't farm anything. We didn't, uh, we put up hay, but that was the only farming involved. I grew up with a strong family, a grandpa and bachelor uncles who would come for every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, every branding. It was a very, it is still a very tight knit uh, family. My maiden name is Stanford actually related to Leland George Stanford of Stanford University. That's also my dad's name, Leland George Stanford. And I grew up in a family that showed love, hugs. Um, My dad kissed my mom every time he came in the house, kissed her when he went out, out of the house, never heard him argue, didn't know that couples argued, didn't know that girls didn't have as amazing dad as I did. Mom and I would get dressed to go out and he'd go, I have the two best looking women in town. Consequently, he taught me I was six foot one in the sixth grade. He was always encouraging me to put my shoulders back, stand up tall, be proud to be tall, suck in my belly. So I've got amazing (laughs) stomach muscles, amazing posture just because of that. But he not only told me I was pretty, he would tell me sayings like, hold your head up high and walk when you walk into a room and you'll own the room or face the wind when it's blowing and you'll get through anything. He gave me confidence that has lasted a lifetime and got me through so many 
trials and tribulations for 65 years. Amazing. <laughs> That's somebody that I, I wish I could have met. You know, not many people are like that. Not even Absolutely. now, but then, too. Exactly. He he was. If the BLM said turn out 447 calves in this allotment, and they didn't go check, dad turned out 447 cows, pairs in that allotment. Not one less, not one more. Mm-hmm. He was, his neighbors will say it to this day, he was honest in everything, never signed anything. Everything was done with a handshake. Super smart. He could have, he graduated with a 4.0 from, from Jordan Valley High School, and he could have gone to Stanford University, but he cho- chose instead to join the Army, serve his country. That whole town is a family, it seems like. Jordan Valley, Oregon, still what a community is, is what it seems it like. It really is. It's, it's um, comprised of old families, families that have been there through generations. And it's, um, you know, growing up, the whole town, the merchants in town, the store owners, the saloon owners, the gas station owners were all Basque. All Basque. I grew up walking into the store with the wooden floor, and they all the old Basque spoke Basque, so no one could understand what they said, and consequently, too badly, they most of the kids my age don't know Basque because they didn't pass it on. But mm-hmm. it was unbelievably cool to walk in and very clean, very tidy, very smart people. A lot of the ranches are still owned by the Basque. It's, it was really a well, even the high school had at the largest 52 kids from freshmen to seniors. You know, everybody was like brothers and sisters, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody stuck up for each other. It was so cool. We, and when we went on sports, in high school, we went to Joseph, we went to McDermott, every trip to Crane, every trip we made was a bus trip. It was a long, long ways to any place. So let's talk about your high school life and then on to where you are now. Okay. So um, high school, I played every sports my brothers and I would load, two of my two oldest brothers and I would load into dad's old GMC 1956 pickup, which my oldest brother, older brother Mike still has. And we'd tootle off to high school early in the morning and we would get there early. And then when Pat, youngest one, got into school the next year, we, Dennis would have graduated by that time and we'd get there and we'd be messing around in the gym. And there was a pair of boxing gloves, two sets of boxing gloves left out from gym the day before. And so there was nobody else there. We'd always get there early. So we just start punching, you know, just pretend boxing back and forth. And trust <laughs> me, with three brothers, we, we wrestled and we boxed a lot. So we were pretty good at it. And, and, but, the more people that got to school, the louder the crowd got in the gym, the harder the punches went. <laughs> and so I was, by golly, I was going to show up. So I threw a punch at Pat and he came back with the right jab and knocked me to the floor. It was just like, 
dropped me. <laughs> End of my boxing career, totally. <laughs> but I played every single sports, you know, football, basketball, volleyball. It was all about sports. Nobody rodeoed back then. It was all in the sports. I had a great ranch horse, and I barrel raced twice, maybe three times, once in Jordan Valley, twice in McDermott, and figured the old ranch horse needed to stay on the ranch horse, on the ranch. <laughs> and I carried flags in at the rodeo. Um, you know, Dad was a rodeo director. Uncle Gene was a rodeo director. So, of course, I was shoo-in to carry the flag for the rodeo. But then, <laughs> and then when I was in the fifth grade, the my three brothers and I decided we wanted to ride calves, steers. And they were big, fat, Hereford steers. There was no puny little skinny Coriani's at all back there. And and so I got hard luck cow, cowboy that year. And then the boys <laughs> dropped out. That was enough for them. But I went on and I rode every year until I could ride a cow. And then I won the cow riding in 1972. And I joined, I didn't join, I rode in Murphy for the Idaho Cowgirls and could have tied for first, but I didn't join the Idaho Cowgirls Association. <laughs> so it didn't count. <laughs> so I had an amazing high school as I was a good, a good student. Um, A's and B's, you know, it was um, not not expected of us, but dad kind of sort of set the standard and we all rose to that standard. And then mm -hmm. um, 16, I met a Nevada buckaroo named Dan Fowler at the McDermott Rodeo. And he was wearing a pair of spurs that my great uncle Omer had had made for my uncle and uncle stub had loaned them to dan and so uncle stub gave us kids the orders hey you keep an eye on my spurs you know don't let this cowboy so we did consequently um dan and i started dating started writing letters you know back then you wrote letters so we started <laughs> writing letters um he, I gave him my class ring, which I thought was such a huge, huge thing. It was, but he lost it out on the Nevada uh, desert. <laughs> my brother teased me that he buried it out on the Nevada <laughs> desert. I prefer to think he just lost it. Um, and at 17, I was pregnant. And so... Got married, went to Winnemucca, got married in the basement of the Mormon church, of the Mormon, yeah, of the Mormon tabernacle church. I'm not really sure. <laughs> but anyways, couldn't get married in the temple because of the long distance relationship with the Mormons. So anyways, that was, had a great reception. All of Winnemucca was invited. It was, it was cool. Um, bless Mom, I, Dan's mom for putting it all on. It was great. So, but here's my question. Were you scared shitless when you figured that out at 17 years old? Oh, completely scared. Completely. What was I going to do? You know, I had grown up in a very strong family and that was what I had pictured myself as being a rancher's wife. You know, that's, I love the ranching life. I love um, everything about it. I love to work. I lo so I, but at 17, 
a scared spitless. What was mom and dad going to say? What were my brothers going to think? Um, you know, geez, very first man I'd ever been with. I, I was scared. I, I, many tears were shed many, and it was just, um, I think dad's encouragement. Well, you know, shoulders back, head up high and face walk into the wind. And that's what I did. So after we were married, Dan packed me up and moved me to Roaring Springs Ranch, lived on a single wide in a single wide trailer, pregnant. And I got to Buckaroo. I got to Buckaroo until Mickey was born. My oldest daughter, Michelle D, <laughs> until she was born, I buckarooed. And there's pictures of me in a man's T-shirt, big old black hat on, riding out through the sagebrush behind a bunch of cows. And it was, <laughs> and I had checked with the doctor, which was a doctor in Burns, Oregon, which was two hours away. And if I was, had been doing it, that was fine. Got me out of the house and, you know, homesick. I was so homesick. You know, I'd never been away from home. I, ah, uh, no phones. Had to go to Rowan Springs to use the phone. No friends over there. It was really, really, yeah. So got through that, had Mickey, beautiful baby girl. Um, Dan couldn't make it. He was on top of the mountain. So mom came over from Jordan Valley, went in with me. The man, right. The ranch manager's wife called me into the hospital and this was all at 17. I was, uh, you know, it was when I'd made my bed and so I would lie in it and I would do the best I could. That was just just what I made up my mind. So then I had this cute little baby girl. Well, this cute little baby girl and I was home alone in this single eye trailer forever. And then Dan would come home at night. Well, he'd been with the buckaroos all day and he didn't want to talk. He just wanted to eat and go to bed. That was, that was, he was tired, got up early, worked hard all day and he was tired. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, uh, really, really, really lonely. We took lots of walks, lots of rides in the wagon. Um, yes. And then we moved to the T lazy S out of battle mountain. And I was the cook for the crew. And so I would get up early. Mickey was in a crib in another, yet another single wide trailer. And um, I would go over and cook breakfast. And then when Dan would come over, I would go over and get Mickey up and bring her back to the cookhouse so I could do dishes and everything. And she would be okay. So that lasted three months. Our jobs basically lasted three months and we would pick up and move again. We worked for Swishers. We worked for the ZX at Paisley. We worked for the TS. We worked... Kept going back to Roaring Springs. They paid the best. So we would go back to there. It was a an adventure. Let's just and people leave messes when they get mad and leave a ranch. And so I was constantly cleaning up people's messes. They flush toilets. They flush diapers down toilets to plug up the septic tank. And it was yeah, it was bad. <laughs> But consequently, because I had all those houses, I really got good at decorating. 
I got to experiment mm-hmm. a lot and I didn't have anything. We loaded everything into the back of a Ford blue Ford single cab pickup and pulled behind us a trailer his dad had made out of the back of another uh, pickup out of the bed of a pickup and he put sides on it and a roof on it and that's what we moved from ranch to ranch to ranch with a crib a high chair a washer and a dryer yes (laughs) bare bones bare bones bare very bare bones absolutely (laughs) right absolutely right yes but hey I can fix a washer. I can fix a dryer. I can roof a house. I can do, um, let's see. I'm not so good at fixing car motors. I didn't have to do that. I can shoe my own horse. I can, and it was all stuff that I needed to learn how to do at 18 and 19 years old. Jake came along at 19 and, um, it was still just a continual moving until the kids got into school. And then we could finally kind of sort of stay longer than three months at a job. They started in Andrews. We were living in at Roran Springs when Mickey was in the first grade. So they started at um, Andrews. And then the owner of Roran Springs leased Roran Springs out to Victoria Land and Livestock out of Texas. Or Arizona, excuse me, Arizona, and we moved to the Cooney on the on the east side of the Steens Mountain, and they went to Andrews until they closed out school, and then they went to Fields until Mickey got into high school. She was an eighth grader, and she would have gone to Crane. She did go to Crane, but when you live that far, two hours from high school the kids have to board in the dorm at Crane. And I was bound and determined that I was not going to miss any of my kids' high school. So I talked Dan into buying a little place at Crane, and I would stay up there with the kids, and he would keep his job as the ranch manager at the Cooney. And that is what we did. And he would come up some weekends, some weekends it'd be too snowy, too cold, and he wouldn't come up. But so at Crane, I cleaned houses. I beat brush from eight o'clock at night until eight o'clock in the morning. I, I did every job I could finally, I could find to do. Finally, I got on at the school. I watered the lawns. I mowed the lawns. I cleaned uh, classrooms. And I became a event driver, driving a Greyhound bus for all the kids' sports. So I got paid to go to every one of my kids' volleyball, basketball, trips to the coast. I got paid to go with them. And mm-hmm. I love that. Absolutely love that. Still worked <laughs> for the ranches, worked for Norman Ranches, worked for McEwen's and Buckaroo. Rode whenever somebody needed help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess you, you told me all this stuff before, but not as in, in depth, I guess. And I remember meeting a gal when I was going to school in Bozeman and I said, Oh, where are you from? And she said, Crane. And I said, Oh, I know Crane, Oregon. And she said, well, kind of, I went to school there. And I said, what does that mean? She's like, Oh, it's a boarding school. I, I didn't even know those still existed. It's still a boarding <laughs> school. 
It is still a boarding school. Yes, it is. And if you live on the South End and you send your kids to the boarding school, a lot of those parents don't get to see their kids for four months because they play basketball, they play all the sports, and and we traveled on the weekend. So they couldn't see them during the week. The kids were gone on the weekends. So it was really hard. Our house at Crane became the household for all the kids that wanted a home meal, just wanted to hang out, all the South End kids, because that's where they could go. That's where they could go to feel like home. And I, it was, mm-hmm. I was just, I was really, and although like your um, chiropractor today, he boarded at Crane. And, and they will say it was the best experiences. But as a mom, I did not want to miss out on my kids' high school years. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't even imagine that. And so I was lucky in that we didn't own a ranch. It didn't take both of us to run the ranch. Um, Dan had guys that worked for him. You know, there was a whole crew. His mom was down there. She cooked for him. So I could be with my kids. And I am so grateful and thankful for that right there. It was Mm -hmm. amazing. And I think, you know, for people who've never been to that part of Oregon, um, it's hard to imagine, but that is truly one of the most remote places I've ever been. It truly, truly is. When you leave fields, which is nothing more than a service station and a cafe, Mm-hmm. And you travel to Crane, it's two hours of an occasional ranch. And I say occasional like every 20 miles or something. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, and and the really scary part is, is LifeLight is now. We didn't have LifeLight back then. So if something happened, it took two hours to get to a hospital. Mm-hmm. At, at, minimum. at yeah. minimum absolutely if the roads were good and it wasn't muddy and it wasn't slick absolutely mm-hmm. been there very many times with jake he was as a little boy he'd gotten the flu and he just couldn't get quite shake this flu and you know as a mom i fed him sourdough hotcakes and orange juice i didn't know all that stuff was acid to your stomach and it was just going to make you puke more <laughs> and you know and milk and that just he he's got a milk allergy i didn't know that either i was 19 i didn't know and so one <laughs> night i said you know you can sleep in our bed tonight honey he just wasn't getting over this puking and he and i could tell he didn't look good and he said, okay, mama. And so I went in there to kill him into bed. And he goes, you know, mom, he, mama, he said, it's okay. God said he's going to take me home tonight. And we loaded that little kid up and we drove two hours to the emergency room in Burns. And sure enough, he was so dehydrated. Had we not taken him in, he would have died that night. That doctor showed me how to pinch the eyelid of a little kid or a calf. It works on calves too. And if it stays puckered, they're dehydrated. If it folds down flat, you're good. But if it stays puckered, you need to go see the doctor. Hmm. Yeah. And then from there, you went from the very far east to the very far west side of the state. (laughs) 
So living at Crane, um, Dan and I just got more and more distant. The I got pregnant again when Jake was a junior in high school, and I was so excited. Supposed to rope that um, September at the women's team branding, which I had done every single year. So much fun. And I had a miscarriage. And um, by that time, Dan had moved up to Crane and just wasn't happy at all living in close proximity with people, which is still a long ways away. But but we just grew dis- more distance and more distant apart until it was inevitable that there was a divorce. And at that time, I was working for Norman Ranch's and riding cow, riding um, herd for him, whatever you, whatever you say, going through the cows, doctoring calves, moving cows, going to Bishop, California with Carrie, checking yearlings down there, um, whatever needed to be done. And um, one day I was out there to go through the cows after the divorce and um, Jerry Nyman said, you know, D, I've got this friend coming over from Eugene. He said, when you get when he gets here and you get done going through the calves, he said, if you wouldn't mind, just come in, hang out with him. Uh, we'll be back from the vet. And they had gone to Doc Icky's over in Nampa, Idaho, taking a horse over. And I said, OK, no sweat. And so I sat down with this dude from Eugene, Oregon. You know, he had short pants and uh, <laughs> but nice looking guy. Very, very personable, asked me questions that no cowboy ever asked, like, who's my hero? Who do I look up to? What's my favorite thing to do? You know, he actually wanted to know something about me. Cowboys don't want They just want to know how hard you can work and how fast you can saddle a horse. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like fascinating, this guy. And so we dated, I think, probably for about, mm, gosh, not even a year and he asked me to marry him and it was right at that crossroads I could stay and do what I know or I could venture off into the unknown by that time Mickey and Jake had both graduated from high school so there wasn't really anything there except for my little place which I loved it was awesome but um what if I what if I took on the unknown what then? And I, by that time, I had already done the movie. And so I was kind of sort of knew that I could venture out. I could do something. Oh, different. yeah. We need to talk about the movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Not much. We don't need to talk about it. But <laughs> anyways, uh, it was $365 a day and it paid for the cow's hay that winter. Let's Let's just let it go at that. But, well, let's let's clarify. It it was a feature film. It was not a porno. It was, it was. a feature film. <laughs> well, anybody who might even have a glimpse of me knows it wasn't porn. That's for darn sure. It was a feature film with some really well-known um, actors. Although in 1983, I do believe, no, it was 1994, it was voted as the worst movie of the year by Woman's Day. 
Oh, no, I didn't know that. Oh, yes, it was. But I did make the poster with a lot of other really cool cowgirls. That was cool. Um, still have the poster, as a matter of fact. So anyway, so I knew that I could do, you know, I had learned to rope at the age of 30. I and won a bunch of buckles, uh, Team Brandon. So I knew that I could, that I had enough confidence maybe to take this crossroads and go into the unknown. And so I did. I moved to Eugene with this attorney, good looking, personable, knew everybody, everybody loved him, guy. And um, there again, you know, I had become a buckaroo's wife because I was married to a buckaroo. Now I'm married to an attorney. How do you become a la 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 la? How do you decorate la 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 la? How do you um, how do you dress? That was my biggest thing. How do you dress to go to restaurants with white tablecloths and uh, charity events out the yin yang and big functions and uh, it was painful. It was really, really painful. And I was really, <laughs> really not good at it. No, I wasn't. I was, I was good at it. I just didn't know I was good at it. Um, everybody says, you know, you were, you were the best looking woman there. You held your head up high. You just, and, but I never knew what to wear. I never had any clothing sense. It wasn't important to me. I, you know, I wanted to ride rope and build fence and I didn't pay any attention to hair and makeup and clothing. Obviously I still don't, but how was I going to make it in this world? And I just decided I was going to. So after, so then got pregnant with Cade, wonderful, wonderful Cade. I was 40 years old. So all of a sudden, you know, we are the grandparents that compared to all of the young people we're hanging out with. <laughs> I'm the old lady that's pregnant. But uh, what a joy. What a joy. What a um, comfort. It was, uh, you know, kind of scary. Uh, what am I going to do? But uh, uh, I had we had a uh, Rob's daughter lived with us from the eighth grade to the senior year. So she was there. She was a great help with Cade, you know, as far as Rena, my granddaughter is a year and a half older than Cade. And so she was with us a lot. Great playmates. So it was, um, it was scary. And I don't like being surrounded by houses. I would cry. And Rob would load me in the pickup and take me out uh, between Eugene and Corvallis, which is all grass seed fields. And I could breathe. I couldn't breathe mm -hmm. in all those trees and all those houses. I just couldn't breathe. I couldn't see. I couldn't breathe. We only had one outfit. So it too was tough. <laughs> but it was, um, I learned. I just learned how to drive in traffic, how to navigate around Eugene, how to shop for groceries. Uh, you know, it was yeah, it was an experience for sure. But every step of my life, I feel that I've just gotten stronger in myself. I, I would agree with that. I think you and I have talked personally a lot about 
what do we want? You know, yeah. like, yeah. I'm 25, you're 65. Yes. But as far as untethered portions of our lives, I feel like you and I are pretty evenly matched at this point. Absolutely. You with a lot more experience under your belt, which uh, I thank you for sharing because I need it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my main, main thing that I want to say is, you know, every adversity, you can either be stronger from it or let it overcome you. And you just don't want to do that. You just go, okay, well, this isn't exactly how I planned it. I didn't plan to be divorced at 61. Did I ever, ever know I was going to be the one that was going to be married for 50 years. I was going to be that little old lady out there dancing with that little old man on the floor that knew each other's steps perfectly. And that didn't happen. And through that sadness and really devastation, I, at 61, 62 got to figure out who D was. Who did D want to be? I, I wasn't a buckaroo's wife. I wasn't an attorney's life. Kids are all graduated. I will always be a mom, always be a grandma. But D could be who D wanted to be. What did I want to do? And my kids said, you know, mom, you work all the time. You need to figure out what you want to do. And I thought, I like to rope. Well, you know what? I'll be a team roper. Everybody over here team ropes. I can do that. Well, guess what? I am a sagebrush roper. I'm not. I don't like to get right up on top of a cow and rope it. I (laughs) don't get my tip down. I throw a long distance. And by the time it gets to the cow, the tip is down. I don't start out with it down. It's a whole different. I have a whole new respect for team ropers. I went to Vegas and watched team roping set at South Point and watch team open for three days straight to see how, how, um, how dedicated did I want to become at this team open. And I had already bought the rope and dummy and the horse and the saddle and the ropes, you know, my 65 foot rope just didn't fit in with this team open <laughs> crack. That just wasn't the thing. So, okay. Um, or the buckaroo saddle. Okay. So, I sat there and I watched and I watched all the big rigs pull in and I watched all the pickups and I thought, okay, here's the deal. Either you need to get a lot better at this or you need to have a sugar daddy. And (laughs) I had neither one. So (laughs) I thought, you know what? It's okay that I'm not a very good team roper. I'm a good sagebrush roper. That's okay. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh-huh. So let's talk about this because I I know you from the time of your life that you 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 kind of I'm not going to say you figured out who D was, but you obviously have priorities in your life that you attend to. You have your Longhorn cattle, you have all these grandkids and non biological grandkids. You have this immaculate place that doesn't have a speck of dirt out of out of order because you are a mad woman. I love to work. I do. I do. And, and you know what, when I moved over here 26 years ago, everybody said, you're crazy. You'll be back. You'll be back. You don't want to get duck feet. You will hate it over there. And seriously, I have grown to 
I hate to say the love it over here, but it's because I have this little space, 25 acres, and it's really pretty private. All the trees were logged off of it, and I have since cut a pile of trees since. <laughs> yeah. I don't like yeah. a tree to be in my view. If I want to see the cows and horses, I want to see the cows and horses. But there's no wind. There's no mosquitoes. There's no Mormon crickets. And there's no grasshoppers. And it rains pretty good. So usually, this is a dry year this year, but usually the cows have green grass year-round. Mm-hmm. So I deal with slugs and snails and, uh, you know, those creepy crawly little things. But it's okay. I really, and Jordan Valley's only seven and a half hours away. I make that trip a lot. Monthly, sometimes weekly. Druzy is six hours. Piece of cake for me. I don't mind it at all. But the thing that I decided, I was headed to Jordan Valley one day right after I'd gotten married. Well, no. The kids were probably, Cade was maybe in the fourth grade, third grade, and I'm going across there. And I always, I already work for a law office. And so I had a job, but I go in at three o'clock in the morning and I'm done by 630 in the morning. So what, what was I going to do for a job? What could I do to make money, to pay for the gravel, pay for the poles, pay for the panels, help out here? And I decided, you know what? I know cattle. I will buy and sell cattle. And that's what I did. First year, I did over 400 head. And I go to the auctions and I buy lightweights. I buy heavyweights. I get good calves. In the first couple of years, they were kind of sort of a bunch of garbage because that's what I could afford. And we would doctor them a lot. Jake, oldest son, worked for us here. He, he and Cade built all the fence cleared all the brush, cleared all the blackberries. I mean, amazing. He he set it up to be a easy place for me to keep looking good. But, um, and so that's what I have done as a pastime per se, is I buy and sell cattle. And, and it's the little old men that call me the most, most. So I'm an order buyer and they'll say, hey, D, you know, and they always want Herefords. And right now, and Herefords are coming more back into fashion, but there for a few years, they were hard to find. And I got to find, you know, over here, sun's pretty intense in the summer. So you got to find Herefords with red around their eyes so they don't get pink eye. And they got to be healthy. And, and so I bring I buy them, I bring them home, give them their shots. You know, what's a cheap cow? It's a, a, a calf with horns, a, a bull maybe ringworm and I just doctor all that. I cut them, I dehorn them, I scratch the ringworm off and I apply vetricin to everything. And <laughs> that is my go-to card, vetricin. So anyway, so I have done that for, gosh, years now. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's and, something that no one in the valley does. There's still a lot of ag in the valley, but it doesn't have that exactly industry exactly. like Eastern Oregon has, you know. Well, see, people do it on was, small, small scale. That's the other thing I wanted to keep abreast of. And that's why I belong to Oregon Cattlemen's Association, because I want to know what's going on in the cow industry. I want to be able to talk to my brothers about 
what they were doing on the ranch and why they were given those shots and what were in those shots and why they were recommended. And I'd go over and go to the to the seminars given by the ag companies with them just to learn, just to learn that stuff. I, I love it. Um, you know, uh, that's why we had to postpone this podcast um, an hour later because I had a calf that I had bought a week ago and she just looked a little droopy yesterday um, and today she wasn't chewing her cud and so I just figured uh, I needed to get her in and give, give her a shot of LA 200. So that's, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're a busy lady, D. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really funny that you say that, honey, because I'm just bustling around here today. You know, I'm going to pick up a goat in Burns tomorrow to take to my grandson. So he has a roping goat. But then I'm also picking Gus the Longhorn up tomorrow also. So and and Gus has a halter on him. So I will also take him to Druzy for Eli James's birthday because he asked for a Longhorn birthday. And uh-huh. I won't be able to go to the big birthday party that they're having on Saturday, but I will be there tomorrow for his birthday. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to show up with a horse trailer and a Longhorn loaded in the back of the horse trailer and a goat in the back <laughs> room for this little for my six-year-old little boy that loves we love cattle eli james is the cattleman and we and so he's gonna have a blast i have a dog collar i have a long long a metal um dog run whatever you call him the long leash that you can put him on so this Mm -hmm. goat can be staked wherever and eli james can rope this goat and those are three boys who want nothing more than to be cowboys Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And so anything that Grandma D can do to help them get there. Um, three years ago, they came over and spent the summer with me. And we haul, I hauled all of their horses over so they could ride every single day. And we rode every single day. As always, thank you to Dee for doing this interview. And thank you for listening.